Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, we'll be talking to Paul Hunker from the OPC Foundation about certification. Amongst other things, Paul will give us a quick introduction into certification. He'll explain why certification is important. He'll talk about end-user and vendor demand for certification, about the cost involved, about who can get products certified and how, many other topics involving OPC certification. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining. How are you? Good. Hi, Peter. Glad to, to be here with you. Paul, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Where are you from? What is your role at the OPC Foundation? And maybe what have you been doing before you got there? So I'm a consultant. I have been working in the automation industry for a very long time. So I worked at ABB for 25 plus years. And I've been a consultant for the last 10. I have always been very involved in OPC. So Currently, I'm a member of the Technical Advisory Council. I edit several specifications, so several parts of the base specs. I'm uh, very involved in information modeling, so I have a number of companion standards that I either chair or editor on or contribute to. I'm also active in the field-level communications group. So I need to say I'm very involved in OPCUA in general. As a consultant, one of the contracts I have is with the OPC Foundation. And for the OPC Foundation, I'm the director of certification. So I run the certification program for the OPC Foundation. That's very good, because that's exactly the topic we'll be talking about today. So, uh, Paul, can you please give us a quick introduction into the topic of certification? And what is the OPC Foundation doing to support certification? So certification is the checking to see if things that are developed meet a standard. You know, it can be uh, hardware, it can be software, but it's, you know, validating that they're in compliance with, with the specifications and what the standard describes. That's sort of a general description of certification. The foundation certification program goes a little bit beyond that, too, because we are, you know, an automation standard. And automation standards are, are, you know, critical that they work not just correctly as the standard mandates, but they also have some level of trust and usability. So, that, you know, the product won't crash, that the product can be used in an environment. So the foundation maintains a certification program to help with that, to help the interoperability, to ensure that vendor products are well done. And we aren't just generating sort of rubber stamp for certification. We work with the vendors to make their products better, you know, to make sure that they'll work with every other vendor out there so that you have a product that meets our standards, it fills it, and it will play nice with everybody else that's in the market. Right. So why is certification then so important? Well, when we started OPC, many many years ago, there wasn't a certification program. And we had the back, the classic interfaces, uh, COM-based interfaces, and we found that the specifications, they're you know, written in English. They're not that precise. So people implemented what they thought the specification was saying, and we found that there was interoperability problems. Two people implemented something, and it didn't implement it the same way. They didn't communicate. They had 
you know, fairly large list of problems showed up, mostly because the spec isn't so clear. Uh, with OVC UA specs, we've done a lot better job and made specs clearer, but there's still the question of verifying that what people did. So, you know, back in classic times, we came up with the concept that we need testing. We need to be able to have a certification program where a vendor can come in and make sure their interpretation of the spec is the correct interpretation that it meets. You know, yes, the specs have gotten better, so it's a little harder to get the wrong interpretation, but you still want to check that what your understanding matches what everybody else's understanding is so that the products will interoperate and that they will work and that the features that need to go together are provided together. You know, sometimes that these days is a, is a problem. The individual features may be described well, but how they interact with others are not always covered well in the big picture. But that's all part of certification. It's to check to make sure that the product fulfills the requirements that the specification is stating. Right. And that their interpretation of those requirements is correct. Right. I think we'll get to that later. But so the, the end user interested in a product and maybe comparing product A to B and seeing that A has been certified, which means can be 100% certain that product A is doing exactly what uh, it is supposed to be doing. And one tool you're using is you just mentioned testing and We will be talking to Alexander in the next couple of weeks in a separate podcast on the topic of testing. So providing certification, as the OPC Foundation does, is one thing. Users requesting it another. How about the latter? Does the market want, does the market demand certification? We're finding is that there is starting to be more and more of a demand for certification. Companies are realizing that products that are certified are better. I had one end user that runs a test bed. They test their own stuff beforehand before they actually deploy it in their plants. Sort of gave me this comment. He goes, we, we get stuff in all the time. It has OPC products that we build or have our contractor build. We get products that, that are commercial products. Then we get products that are certified. When I get a product we build in, it sometimes takes us weeks to get it running in the lab right. Commercial product may do a little better, but sometimes it's still more than a week to get it you know, working, and occasionally there's still a problem with it. A product that's been certified, I plug in, and it works. Typically, five, ten minutes, and I have it running in the system. So there's you know, a huge difference in quality that the end users are seeing with certified products, and they're starting to realize that and require certification. And later on, I think we're going to talk a little bit about information models, but Some standards or even companion span standards for information models are requiring certification. So they've realized how much of an improvement it is so that they're actually mandating that the products are certified to the information model so that it's tested in advance. Certified products typically need far less time in factory checkout periods and test periods because a lab tested the product up front. So when you go to, to check out how a system works, you don't have to worry about the product. It's been tested. So it makes it much faster and easier to deploy products in, in a facility. You plug it in and it works similar to the USB connector and the, the product connected, I guess, through USB. 
So tell us a bit, what, what does it cost? Does it cost to get a, a product certified? Is it expensive? We charge a, a fixed rate for products to be certified. It's $1,900 a day. It's in our, on the foundation's website. And it depends on the product as to how many days it spends in the lab. A server's typically in the range of three to, to seven days, and a client may take five to nine days. And a lot depends on how well the product's prepared. And that price is, is a flat price for members and non-members. Members get a discount, so they get a 50% discount, so they're actually paying, you know, $950 a day for the lab time. And you only pay for your actual lab time. So if a product is in the lab, it has some issues maybe, and testing suspended while they go fix some issues, then they come back and with an updated version and continue testing. The product's only being billed for the time it's actually being tested. If it sits in the lab for two months because they had a lot of problems and a lot of interrupts, They may still only take five days of actual test time or six days of actual test time to you know, test the product. So it, it's not very expensive. Most products, the bill is for members is you know, under $5,000. It's very reasonable, typically. Okay, so you mentioned that members get 50% discount. Now, that brings me to the question, who can actually get product certified? Is certification for OPC Foundation members only? No, the certification can be for anybody. We really, anybody that makes a product that has OPCUA in it can bring the product to the lab and be certified. We have a discount for members, so members can do it a little cheaper, but it doesn't matter who the vendor is. As long as it's a product, they can bring it to the lab. There is some paperwork you have to sign that's, you know, legal agreements about the lab, but that's not, you know, it doesn't preclude anybody from coming to the lab. It's just logo license agreements and other agreements that you'd have to sign when you uh, come to a lab, but that's typical for any lab, but anybody can. And the, it's all public on the website, so the registration for the lab you get from the OPC Foundation's website, so anybody can follow the link. The documentation describing all the testing and all the things that are done are also on the website, so it's you know a public process. So where in the world does certification take place? So we have a couple of labs currently. We have one that's in Germany that's labeled our European test facility. We also have one in China. The European test facility is our primary lab. That's where most testing occurs. What we found, though, is that products that are made in China quite often are written in Chinese, as in all the interfaces are Chinese, all the documentation is Chinese, and we have a lot of problems reading and <laughs> dealing with the Chinese. So as a result, the lab in China helps us a great deal with the native Chinese products. That's primarily what they test because we have trouble testing something that We have, can't read, really. Can't read the instructions, can't read the screens, can't read the messages that are generated because they're in Chinese. So that lab is very invaluable for testing. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, and I assume that uh, while the documentation is in Chinese, that the products talk OPC UA as do other products from around the world, right? 
Yes, yes. So the products all still interact, but the the test lab just has trouble testing the ones in that are native Chinese. They can. You can tra- Google Translate everything if you'd like, but it, it's a lot slower and takes a lot longer. When you know, I got a message up on the screen. Oh, I go translate it to see what it's telling me. Yeah, it, it makes testing hard. Okay, getting into some more detail, is certification limited to the interfaces that are exposed by OPC UA? No, actually, that's the primary goal, and those are always tested. But there is more to the industrial automation product than just those interfaces that we want to check. So we check usability, and we check to make sure there's some level of documentation on the product so that that when you buy a product, you can understand how to install it and how you start it and that sort of stuff. We look at interoperability. We make sure that general behavior of the product, not just a specific interface, but the overall architecture of how it works is good and that it does things in an efficient manner so that we look at how it talks to other products. We check it with a, against a wide variety of products we have in the lab to make sure they all interoperate well. We also check performance to some extent. So if a, a vendor claims that they can do you know, 3,000 client connections on their server, we will validate that what you claim your product actually can do. So you know, those are all tests that are beyond the scope of the basic interface. And we also even check to see that, you know, your product doesn't leak or crash if it's being run under an extended period of time under poor conditions. So if, you know, we're testing a server or the server will be set up on a bench and running for three or four days with clients that are misbehaving. So clients that are doing wrong things, incorrect things and being bad that have network disconnects and breaks. So the you know sort of worst case environment your product could be running in, we make sure that it will run for three or four days without memory leaks, without crashing on its own. You know, a, a server should never be, a lo- be able to be crashed by a client. So we do that level of testing, which is beyond just checking the interfaces. So it's checking some basic functionality of a product to make sure that when you get it and deploy it in a site, it will work and that it won't have problems, you know, and that goes back to the end user question. It's one of the reasons they like the certified products. They can be sure the documentation tells them how to install it. They can be sure when they put it into their test bed and three of the other clients out there, or people talking to it, aren't doing things right. This product stays running and works correctly. So it's a very big benefit that end users like. You mentioned the information models. We've talked about information modeling before, but and maybe before I get to the question, you can remind the listeners just shortly what the information model exactly does within or for OPC UA, and then maybe answer the question if, if a vendor can get an information model other than the base OPC UA specification certified. So then let me explain a little bit. You know, as I said, I'm a consultant type work on a lot of information models too. When you have a UA server or a UA client, there's a base sort of UA aspect of what you're, you're dealing with. It's just values. But one of the big benefits of OPC UA is that you can load an information model in. So an information model defines what some piece of equipment or some process or something looks like. 
And it's, you know, far better to see a valve than just three floating point numbers. You know, this is a valve, you know, that the valve has certain behaviors associated with it, or maybe it's a controller, maybe it's, you know, some other piece of equipment. So there are many companion standards in OPC UA. These are standards that define information models and they define what an instrument would look like for this model. Or, you know, there's a spec on woodworking machinery. There's one on kitchen appliances that, you know, define what those devices or objects look like and define a model for that. So those models are all in addition to the base OPC UA model describes, you know, how information flows between two points and what the basic building blocks are. So, you know, I have ints and I have floats and I have strings and I have some diagnostic information, other things in the base specs. But the big thing is the information models give you an object oriented view of the world. And that's basically what an information model does. What OPC certification does for that is that we can certify those information models. There's some requirements from the information modeling group has to fulfill to do that, i.e. they have to define what testing they expect for their models. But we can do that, and we do do it. So we have groups like MDIS, which is an oil and gas industry standard, has defined all the test cases for their standard. They have standard instruments, chokes, valves that are all operated subsea. There's Profiles, it's a different word of profile, but it's a sort of an image of how the valve should move. So it's a time-lapse picture, a trend effectively of how the valve should be behaving when it's closing. So there's you know, a whole lot of functionality defined in that MDIS standard. And they define test cases for all of it, for the methods that you could use to invoke and move things and do things. And we define automated test scripts for most of it. Some of it's some manual testing, but the whole thing can be certified. So when a vendor brings a product in, you can say, oh, and I also support MDIS. We'll check the base UA functionality, and then we'll also check the MDIS information model. MDIS model has a lot of methods and is reasonably complex. It typically adds three or four days to the testing effort to test that information model. But it's a you know, detailed test of the model. When the vendor deploys that model to two dozen sites, they don't have to test the individual objects. They know they'll all behave correctly. So the feedback we got from one of the operating companies was that when they went from having not a standard interface, but a less standardized interface, projects used to spend six to nine months in testing. And when they deployed the standard interfaces, it went down by about half. When they deployed information models that have all the objects tested and that they're certified, suddenly testing went to two to three weeks. So if you think about the difference, you have nine months of, of testing time that you need before you can ship the product to now down to two or three weeks. Because the product's been certified, you've pre-tested all the objects their standard implementations of the objects. It makes the world much easier and you can trust that things are behaving right. So yes, we do certify information models. So you, you mentioned MDIS and maybe you can talk a little bit about in what area MDIS works. And in addition, do also have other companion specifications been certified? So MDIS is an oil and gas standard. It's a subsea drilling standard. I should have mentioned that up front. We have other 
testing too. We're doing some testing for PLC Open. It's a little less involved, but it's still, we're testing that standard. We have a number of other groups that are, are working on testing too. So we have OpenSCS, which is a standard for the pharmaceutical industry. The OPATH standard, which is the Open Process Automation Forum, they have a standard that we're working with them on certification of that much wider, sort of broader process automation standard. We have testing for, of course, all the basic OPC UA specs, so the the DI information model. We're working with FLC to make sure the field-level communication pieces are all available for testing. And there's many other groups that are working on testing. I'm not involved with all of the groups that are working on testing. Um, you know, it's up to the group to define what the test cases are they want. And there's a number of us helping them, helping a number of different groups. So let's just say that it's coming more and more prevalent. Very good. Last but not least, let's talk about certified products. A couple of questions. When a product gets certified, does it have to support everything that OPCUA provides? So that's a very good question. You know, the OPC standard is a very big standard. It has functionality for alarming. It has historical capabilities. It has data access capabilities. It has a large array of information models. And does a product have to support all that? And the simple answer is no. There's the concept of profiles in OPCA. So these are groupings of functionality that should be tested together. And the foundation generates a fairly long list of profiles for different smaller subsections of functionality. Companion specs, which are the information models, may generate them, usually do generate their own profiles for their own groupings of functionality. And what we certify is profiles. So you bring a product in, the vendor declares what profiles they're supporting. Maybe they're an embedded device profile. Maybe they're a standard UA server profile. Maybe they have alarming that they also support. Maybe they support the MDIS information model. So the key thing is that the vendor tells us what profiles they support, and that's what we base our testing on. So it's a much smaller subset of the full OPCA functionality. Uh, with that said, though, we do check that if you expose some other functionality, even if you tell us not that that isn't something you want to test, anything that a product exposes does get tested. So, you know, if you claim that you only want to support the embedded UA server profile, but you are exposing alarms, we will see that you have alarms being exposed and we will test the alarms because we want to make sure that a vendor, the, an end user that gets your product, sees something that's certified, then every UA interface that's exposed is certified, not just the ones you wanted us to test. And so, you know, it's important for vendors to understand that. You tell us what to certify, that's what we focus on. We make sure you meet those. We even help you if you don't understand something, if you aren't doing something right, we'll point out what you need to fix and what you know the correct way of doing something is so that you can get it all right. But we will also look to see what else your product is exposing and anything that it exposes will get tested. So what is the, um, the result of the certification? So 
do vendors get just a you know pass fail from you or do they get a a detailed report by which they can you know learn what to do better change or so during the testing process we are fairly interactively you know every day we'll even give a summary to the vendor about things we found if we found problems so that they have a chance to fix it that's an interactive process but when they're all done we generate a very detailed report of all the testing uh, we show them even graphs on on the general performance of their product from with respect to memory and CPU usage during our long-term test. That's a private report to the vendor. They can do with it as they want. Some, since some end users are aware of that or end users, end users are aware that there is that report, they will ask to see it, but it's up to the vendor to decide whether they, they provide it. What we do also do, though, is generate a public certificate that shows you all the profiles and optional conformance units you've passed, and that's public. So we post that on the foundation's website, showing you that your product's certified. Here's all the profiles that it passed, all the optional conformance units it did. Uh, we give you a logo that you can display you know, in your own documentation that says you're certified and that your product is certified. So typically we see those logos on websites describing the product or on the actual, if these days, if it's a hardware product and you ship the product quite often, the packaging for that product when you ship it includes the certified logo. Yeah, you mentioned the logo. So that's something the vendor can use in their marketing out towards the end user. The other way around, the end user, what is the best way for them to, you know, they've decided they're going to buy an OPC UA server or a client. Uh, what is the best way for them then to find which products in the market have been certified by you? So the foundation maintains a product catalog. It's both certified and uncertified products, but there's a specific tab and drop down that gives you all the certified products. And That product catalog is always being enhanced. You know, you can get a list of it. We're going to provide more searching capability for it in the future. But the key thing is you can search through, look for products that fulfill your needs, what profiles they support, what capabilities they have, and vendors should, you know, choose those. What we also are seeing a lot of these days is that, you know, most end users use systems integrators to build things. And the... The systems integrators are the ones that are accessing these product catalogs and sorting out what they have to do. But what we're seeing is a lot of end users are now mandating in their requirements that they give the systems integrator that say, you know, pick certified products only. Go look for a certified product. And that's an important thing for end users to remember is that, you know, a systems integrator many times makes their choices only on cost. And sometimes certified products cost a little bit more. But the benefits of a certified product far outweigh the typically slightly increase in cost that a vendor may sell a product for. So that, you know, they should mandate, you know, systems integrators use certified products where they're available. Is there a limit to the time from by which you have certified a specific product, you know, looking into the future, uh, how long certification lasts for? Our products on the website are, are listed for three years. But after three years, you can submit paperwork that says you're still selling that product and extend it. So there, there is no fixed timetable. 
the three years is more to make a product vendor check to ensure that they haven't made significant changes to the product, that they haven't updated it. You know, the listing for products includes the particular versions that were tested. So, you know, major product releases should come back to the lab and be retested to make sure everything is still capable of being certified, that still, you know, nothing's been broken. Patches and minor releases, you know, you updated some security flaw or something else. Typically, you don't have to bring that back to the lab. You're welcome to, but you don't have to. You know, a lot of that has to do with what end users see. You know, the listing on the website says the version one point six of your product was certified and if you are now selling in version 1.15 the vendor may say you know that's been a while how many things have you fixed in the last you know nine patches and they may ask you to come back to the lab but we don't force you to come back to the lab as long as you don't think the opc foundation functionality has changed as soon as you make changes to the foundation functionality, you have to come back to the lab and be retested. Retests cost a lot less typically and a lot easier because we have a record of what we tested before. We look at what components you've updated. We focus the testing on what you've changed. And then we run some of the you know long-term or purely automated tests. Again, the automated tests you know take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and the Long-term test is to ensure that you haven't created leaks or problems with the product. But both of those don't take a lot of testing time. Remember, we bill you for our testers' time, not for the time the product's sitting there. So even though the product's sitting on the bench for three-plus days for the long-term test, the tester spent 10 minutes starting it, maybe five minutes, 10 minutes a day, checking to make sure it's still working. It's not a lot of time that he's spending running that test. So, you know, products come back in to be recertified. But at least every three years, if your product hasn't changed, you have to tell us, file a, a request for an extension. We'll send you an email reminder that your product's about to be expired so that you know to go do that or you know that maybe I should go take it back in and get it recertified. Okay, we're getting to the end. Is there any development you've experienced lately, any activity that may come up, any final thought that you would like to share with our listeners? I don't have a, a lot of final points to say. The certification work is you know, ongoing. It's growing quickly. We have a lot of products that are being certified these days, growing demand for certified products. We have a growing demand from the other end and the information models are mandating that products be certified these days. The field level communications, the FLC items will all mandate certification. So is the process automation world is all mandating certification. So certified products are going to grow. We think, and the feedback we've gotten from end users is that it's a good idea to have a certified product. It helps in your environment when you deploy it and in general it's a very positive experience people that come to the lab have reported you know we send them surveys and ask what they thought so you know it overall helps both the vendor and the end user paul thanks a lot for sharing all this knowledge which is 
only a very small piece I know of of the huge mountain of of information and knowledge that you have regarding OPC. But thanks a lot for sharing the specific ins and outs regarding OPC certification. If you, dear listener, want to learn more about certification, about OPC UA specifications, maybe other pieces of the OPC UA technology, or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or are interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups, uh, or maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both the website URL and the mail address in the podcast notes. It was great to have you with us today. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Uh, looking forward to have you with us again. And Paul, thank you very much for having been my guest today. Thank you, Peter. I, I very much enjoyed it. The compliance group also has an email. Please, please mention it. What is it? It's uh, compliance at OPC Foundation, so it's fairly easy. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Peter.